So in the last couple of episodes, I talked about uh, my results over the last about year worth of uh, spending most of the time in lean gain mode. Um, and then the most recent one was all about the nutrition side of that, coupled up with cardio. And so how what I've found to work in the past and what I'm going to do going forward. So I'm going to kind of do the same thing this time, except specifically with training, with resistance training. So as I mentioned in the uh, in the one previous I, in over the last year, I gained about about twelve pounds lean. It's probably a little bit less when water weight's accounted for, but th- thereabouts about uh, twelve pounds over the past year, which is quite good, I would say, at my stage. And so it's worth reflecting on what worked and then also what could be improved upon. Uh, so I guess to summarize what my training looked like. It, it was a little bit, it was a little bit all over the place. It wasn't quite as consistent as I might have liked. I started out doing uh, what was a two-day sp- training split, which was the strength split that I uh, did the year prior, which I found to be quite effective. That was the, the first time I made significant strength gains, and I did that same strength split through the, uh, I call it that, uh, through my cut that year. Uh, to try to maintain my muscle. It seemed to work really well for that. Basically, it's a two-day split. And this is a big split because I'm going to go more or less back to it. Um, So it's a two-day split. The day one is all the big muscle groups, chest, back, legs. And then day two is shoulders and arms. Um, I'll get more into the details on how I broke all that up shortly. Um, But that was sort of the first split I did. Then actually... I believe I kind of tweaked that a little bit because I wanted a little bit. I, my, I was having, I've been having a lot of knee pain the last year, so I've been a lot of the leg stuff I've been doing has been kind of rehab type stuff, and even still now it's bothering me to the point I'm in physio. Um, but I wanted to increase the uh, frequency of keep the the chest. I found that worked really well for bench press, so I wanted to keep that at three t- times a week. Um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then, but back, I thought I could back it off to about two times, and uh, legs, same thing, about two times a week. Uh, Actually, all the other groups, I think I I did two days, so I had this weird uh, kind of training split that I put together for it. It, I think it worked fine, but it was just so all over the place, it it was hard to keep straight in my head, so I didn't, I might have ran it for like one six-week cycle or something like that. I did a uh, push legs pull split a couple times throughout the year as well. Um, also, I did the uh, I think it's called the Arnold split when and that one actually I used when I kind of wanted to increase volume. So when I wanted to decrease volume, uh, the push legs pull I used um, fairly regularly, but I'd only do train like five days a week for the most part throughout this past year. And then when I wanted to ramp up the volume, I found that doing the Arnold split, I've heard it called the torso split. Anyway, basically it's it's chest and back for one day, then, uh, what is it, legs, and then uh, shoulders and arms the next day. So 
yeah, so the three-day split. So day one, chest back, day two, legs, day three, shoulders and arms, something like that is basically how it works. And, and the beauty of that split is that you can do a lot of supersets. So that's why I found that to be good for higher volume because I could just get more work in. But while I was cutting, I was deliberately decreasing volume. That way I, I would, um, in the, the idea being to resensitize it. So when you're actually in muscle build mode, you're more sensitized to volume was kind of what I was trying to do. So it was, uh, I, yeah, I tend to do the push legs pull to reduce the volume and then shorter time in gym as well. Uh, for the, while I was cutting, I did that a lot. And then when I wanted to raise the volume, I'd do the Arnold split. Uh, I did a few cycles of that. So, um, so that's sort of what I did over the past year. It was, like I say, it was, like I said, that was what, three or four different kind of training splits over the year. Maybe not ideal, but that's what happened. Right. So as far as training, I think, I think I want to split this up into a couple of ways. So there's the programming aspect of it, which involves the, the split and that type of thing. Then there's the uh, exercise selection, and then there's execution. So all those things kind of factor into it. So I guess the logical place to begin, I talked about splits before. So, so I suppose we should dive into uh, the, the thinking behind creating a training split. So you've probably heard before that there's no one perfect training split, and, and I do believe that to be true. I think it's very, very much about what you enjoy most, and, and really it's, the, the whole point of it is to try to get in the amount of volume that you're after, and so you can be quite creative with this. Um, I think there was some thought in the past that training a muscle group twice per week is about optimal. I don't think that's been exactly proven. I think that as long as you train about once per week, that seems to be good. Uh, as long as you're kind of equating volume. So there, <clears throat> excuse me, there does seem to be a certain amount of volume that seems to be optimal for muscle growth. Um, what has been shown is that increasing the frequency seems to help with when strength goals seem to be your, uh, when strength goals are your primary goal, which actually I've anecdotally found to be true. I found that when I'm training the, uh, my, my big muscle groups about three times a week, I found strength gains came. came. Now there probably is a limit to that. I think if I, if you did it like seven days a week, for example, I don't think that would be better than three times a week. Uh, even four or five times, I think I'm pretty sure there's an upper limit, but I did find that training three times a week was better for strength gains than training a muscle group one or two times per week. That was me personally. And that's, again, like I say, when strength goals is, is the primary objective, which sometimes it is. Sometimes, you know, I think progressive overload and, and increasing that over time sometimes is the best thing to do. And uh, because if you get stronger, you're going to get bigger. So I, I don't think you want to not emphasize the importance of that. Um, but volume is an important thing to think about too. And there doesn't seem to be an exact upper limit to that, but there does seem to be a lower limit. Uh, and I think for the most practical uh, application for most muscle groups, um, and they are going to be different, like smaller groups, you can like arms, shoulders, you can get away with a lot more volume and, and they respond to a lot higher volume. 
but in general, most muscle groups, somewhere between 10 to 20 uh, hard sets throughout your training week seems to be about optimal. So you can set up a training split pretty much any way you want to accommodate that. And uh, like I said, one of my favorite ones is doing the uh, splitting it up. So big muscle groups on one day. Um, and, and that also uh, allows for doing supersets between them. Um, so uh, chest, back, legs, all on the same training day. You can do that two, three times a week, whichever. And then uh, shoulders and arms on the other days. And because you're training, uh, you're getting secondary work on those smaller muscle groups on the, on the big lift days, <laughs> the volume actually becomes quite high which is probably what you want for those muscle groups anyways. I just like that split. Uh, but like I said, that's not the perfect split. It's not the only split. It's just one that happens to work for me. Um, as I said in the beginning, there's a number of other splits I've experimented with, and the results have been uh, relatively similar uh, regardless. So next up, exercise selection. Much like, actually like all three of these, I think they're there becomes an important distinction between hypertrophy goals and strength goals. And those are sometimes areas that get very nuanced and confusing and so on. But there are differences, as I said, with the training split, the main difference would be, might be your frequency. So you train a muscle group more frequent, frequently when strength specific goals are what you're after. It's the same thing with uh, exercise selection, and actually it's the same when I get into the execution. Um, I guess to give a little spoiler here on that, it's, it, it might be to do with how the proximity to failure. Uh, you, you don't need to get as close when strength-specific goals are the objective as opposed to hypertrophy where you need to get closer to failure. So in this case, when it comes to exercise selection, well it doesn't really matter as much for hypertrophy. For strength-specific goals, you're trying specifically to get uh, better at certain movements. So it's important to practice those specific movements and um, accessory movements or movements that will help uh, with with those goals, help uh, strengthen up the, the, the movement patterns for those goals, aka uh, bench press, deadlift and squats are generally what we're talking about. Uh, when it comes to hypertrophy, those become less necessary to, to uh, do specifically. And then uh, because it's all about training the muscle and putting force and tension through the muscle, uh, like I said, to basically close proximity to failure uh, with enough volume and enough times per week. Well, that, like I said, you could probably get away with one, but... Um, so the movements, the specific movements themselves don't really matter, which is actually quite a good benefit, especially in things like commercial gyms where the exact equipment you want might not be available exactly when you want it. So the, the specific movements themselves, not so important, but as I will get into in, in the execution part, uh, form and how you do it does become quite important. So so I'll just leave it at that. So as long as you get your programming right, you hit choose the muscle groups. If, if with the compound movements, I will say there is you get a bit of secondary work. So like bench press, you're also going to be training your triceps and shoulders. So you can factor that in. Whereas say a fly type movement, there there's if done right, it'll be less of that. 
and more targeted on, on just the pecs. So you can think about that, I suppose, if you want. Um, compound movements are great. You get bigger bang for your buck and they're, I don't know, they're just manly moves and, and I enjoy them. And I think most people who lift enjoy them. So they tend to be staples anyway and they're good ways to start out workouts. Or, or in certain creative cases, people end with some of them, especially deadlifts. I've seen people do that because they're so uh, fatiguing systemically. Um, but the point being, um, as long as you're training the muscle effectively, the specific movements don't really matter too much for hypertrophy, for hypertrophy, whereas they do for strength. Okay, so re to uh, recap where we are now. So the training split sort of facilitate your volume and the exercise selection is more or less how you fill that in with the specific movements. Um, actually, a note on that that maybe I didn't, I don't think I brought up was uh, an interesting one that sort of falls in, in line with um, with the training split as well as where I'm going to go next, which is the uh, execution is one of the one of the markers to know if you're pushing hard enough in order to make process, progress is soreness. And um, what I've found, um, there's a couple things that'll cause so sore just because you're not sore doesn't necessarily mean that you're not progressing but if you are sore there's a pretty good chance that you did push the muscle to to the limits so it's it's potentially helpful but it's not the be all end all um, and supposedly some of the things you can do to intervene on that like eg ice baths and things like that um, actually will inhibit the exact same mechanisms that cause muscle growth. So it's, it's an interesting thing that soreness actually can potentially play some kind of role, at least in trying to know intuitively that, that you pushed hard enough. But the fact of the matter is that what I've observed is soreness, well, soreness will come potentially if you start a new program, no, no matter what it is, especially if there's been a long layoff or whatever. But where I really found soreness was when I do things like the bro split. So if I do a whole chest session in one day, I get really sore still. Uh, it seems to, it doesn't seem to matter on my uh, level of experience it, it, when I do single body part, um, which is maybe why legs tend to get so sore with a lot of these programs because there's often just a leg day. Um, but when I, I, I isolate sort of one muscle group, or at least one large muscle group. That one tends to get sore back, not as much. Um, but I, I tend to notice on those, like I said, kind of bro splits. Whereas what I've found is if I, the more I split that up, so if I were to do a full body session, like three days a week, or like I said, that the, even the one I do, which is a two day split, which includes the big body parts, I just don't tend to get sore. Um, so that means I don't have really soreness to rely upon. Um, but it means I also don't have to be <laughs> keeled over in pain as much. So um, ups and downs. But anyway, um, so as I said, we, we covered the, the splits to, or the, the programming, I guess, to facilitate your volume, how you're going to split that up. And then there's the movements that you want to specify sort of what you're going to be doing. And then next uh, is how you actually execute said movements and... Um, and as I said, there's there's a there's a distinct difference between strength and hypertrophy here. So for strength, we're trying to get really good, really efficient, really strong 
uh, generally at specific movements, whereas for hypertrophy, we're just trying to uh, put force and tension through the muscle. So for strength, it's we've got to get closer to... Uh, we, sorry, for hypertrophy, we've got to get closer to failure. For strength, it's not quite as important. So you can do low sets, but they don't have to be quite uh, failing per se. Whereas hypertrophy, um, what I find to be better for that is getting closer to failure. But I, for for both of them, I, I like keeping consistent form because the the tendency with when when you're just trying to get more weight on the bar which is important for both i guess um is to let your form slip and that's not really true progress it's better to there's this uh saying i heard recently i like it's called own the weight learn to own the weight so basically get really good at the weight at the given weight before increasing weight and with hypertrophy that means coming close to failure and and so it, it that means sense of patience you don't need to put an extra five pounds on the bar every single session uh, in fact that is more likely to lead to either cheating or um, injury or those those types of things so own the weight that's a good one um, also here's a good tip i heard i heard this one years ago it stuck with me i really liked it i was from ben pikulski i don't remember exactly how he phrased it but it was something along the lines of uh, you're not training a muscle you don't feel. So you really want to focus on feeling the target muscle working. So if you're doing a bench press, if you're feeling your shoulder too much, then, you know, then maybe you've got to do something to adjust your form uh, so that you're targeting what you want to train, which is probably your chest. Um, and rep ranges is another one. Uh, so again, rep ranges matters more, especially I find with, because if you're going to failure, then it kind of matters. If you're just like throwing the weight around and you don't care, then rep ranges don't mean a lot. But um, so rep ranges that are effective. There was this old myth that low reps are for strength and power, mid uh, moderate for hypertrophy and higher reps for uh, endurance. That's I, I believe that's still true to an extent, but I think what we found is that hypertrophy is a much broader window than people thought. They say now anywhere from five to 30 reps uh, can, in, to failure, again, you have to go, go close proximity to failure, uh, can induce hypertrophy. Uh, that being said, there's other factors to think about too, which is like mental fatigue and systemic fatigue and um, keeping consistent form and all these kinds of in well intangibles i don't know but anyway practically speaking uh, i've found uh six reps at the low end to about 12 ends on the uh, 12 reps maybe as high as 15 for me has been best to keep mentally dialed in for those and i can get to closer to what i would call true failure tr failure being like i can't perform another rep with good form um it's not like you're dead under the bar um so practically speaking, I think keeping in there, you you won't be going far. But personally, what I actually do for rep ranges is in, in my log is I do uh, keep it between like two. So it'll be either six to eight or eight to 10 or 10 to 12 or whatever. That way, it's easier for me to progress. It's like if I can, I want to be able to do at least, say, in the six to eight, I, I want to be able to do at least six. But if I can do come, do eight reps uh, comfortably to failure, then it's time to add a bit more weight. That's uh, that's my method. 
and it, you can broaden that out but what i find is when you broaden it too much it gets hard to know when to add weight so that's why i do it that way um that's rep ranges and training to failure um, another component is range of motion um Tempo kind of fall, falls in there too. Hypertrophy has uh, been shown to be most effective in the eccentric or negative part of the uh, movement. So generally speaking, you don't have to be overly uh, neurotic about this, but uh, fairly, fairly uh, not even necessarily explosive, but faster concentric uh, positive and then slow controlled negative. Uh, again, you don't need to count or anything like that, but just keep it under control. And then the other thing that's been shown to induce a lot of hypertrophy is to, to focus on the stretched portion of the range of motion. So uh, like for bench press, that'd be the bottom. Um, so really feel that stretch in the, mu in the muscle under load, under tension, um, and focus on that. You can pause if you want, uh, you don't really have to. That implies that, so the top part of the range of motion, like the, the when you're fully contracted, it means for hypertrophy, it's a little less important. Does that mean you should do a shorter range of motion? Well, I wouldn't go crazy with that, but if you want to avoid lockout, uh, that might be helpful. So just short of lockout, I find personally to be quite effective because then I'm keeping the muscles under tension for the entire thing, makes it much harder. Um, and that way I'm not spending quite as much time focused on the part of the range of motion that makes the, uh, the, the least difference. Another thing that I like to include in my programming uh, these days, actually it's something I came across for when, when doing my strength training, uh, when, when strength was really my, the focus of my, my training and it was quite effective is, is the concept of, it's called over warm up. Basically your last warm up set is a little bit heavier than what your work set is going to be, but you only do one rep. And I've just helped that helps me mentally dial in, but it also just, it, it's a man maker. It makes you feel strong. Even, so you're not, it's not going to kill you to put, I usually do about 10% more than my working uh, set so it's not that much but it gets you underneath heavy weight so it gets you mentally dialed in that what I'm doing here is going to be not easy um, but I can do it so over warm up it's it's one that I don't use year round um, certainly not when like I need to go super super high in volume or like when I'm cutting and I don't want to lose all my uh, glycogen or whatever I mean, really, there's so many nuanced things we could talk about when it comes to technique. Um, I think, again, to, to name Ben Pakulski, he's like, he was one of the first ones who really got into my head thinking about this stuff. Um, I, to be honest, I haven't followed him a lot recently, but, um, but just thinking about, you know, initiating the movement, feeling the working muscle uh, moving, realizing that there's a contracted position and a stretched position. And for hypertrophy, you often want to really focus on the stretched position while under load. Um, these kinds of things are a good foundational standpoint, avoiding things like um, momentum and things like that. Um, I say, especially when you're learning, like avoid cheating at all costs, you know, really think about what you're doing and why you're doing it uh, to the best of your ability. I also want to make a quick point here about progress. I haven't really talked about that, but progress, progressive overload, however you want to phrase that. So it's kind of near and dear to my heart because 
I remember what the strength split that I I did and that I more or less use to this day as my primary go-to. I came up across that and I started down the path of using that split all because I felt that what it what had happened was I was training and I was um I was not super stoked with the the amount of progress I was making. When I say progress, I don't mean in terms of weights. I mean physically the the muscle I was putting on. Now part of that was expectations. Part of it was was I I was I thought that I could put on substantial muscle while in a caloric deficit because of some people I listened to that I shouldn't have probably there was that was a component of it but what I did during that time was I was like I was getting frustrated because I'm like oh I'm trying this I, I you know I, I looked through all the variables of training the frequency and volume and intensity and all these things and I was like and I was playing I don't think as much intensity but I was basically trying to isolate each of these when I was finding that this plan was not working I'm like well something in my programming is not working right so let me try higher volume and that didn't work and let me try greater frequency I did like a five day a week training every single muscle part muscle group each training day uh, like it was is uh, like Jeff Neppard's uh, program there and that didn't work it like it was okay. It was okay for like maintaining muscle and whatever, but I was not building new muscle. And then, so I was trying to factor all these things. And then it just struck me. I'm like, maybe the component I'm missing here is progress and actually focusing intensely on adding more weight to the bar. And so I entered a strength training pro. I found Fazlift's uh, was the one who wrote the, the program that mine was kind of based on more or less. Uh, I, and then I added in the shoulders and arms component to that. But basically, so he was about this, you know, he said, I think basically full body three days a week as I think what he sort of did for strength training and that helped him get strength. I'm like, okay. And then going down the path of, I want to do this right. Then I, I realized the importance of a caloric surplus, blah, blah, blah. But basically, and, and for the first time I was adding strength and I was adding muscle and I was adding size and it was very visible and it was very clear to me. So it, it did um, definitely cement in my mind the importance of progress and progressive overload and adding load over time. So, but it does become a very nuanced thing as I've been trying. It, it's a hard one for me to perfectly articulate because I, I mentioned about owning the weight. And so I don't want to downplay that. I feel it is truly important, but at the same time, it has to be with consistent form. If, if if form breaks down and you, we cheat, then it's not really true progress anyway. But I think we're really selling ourselves short if we don't strive for progress. Now, this becomes funny when we're in cutting phase because we still want to lift heavy weights. We still want to push ourselves when you're, when you're dieting, but you've also got to put into your head, okay, I'm not going to make new PRs when I'm dieting. Probably not. So you're still trying to push yourself. This is actually part of the beauty of hypertrophy train style training is when you're aiming for, um, for, for failure versus progress. Um, like when you're, when, when you're in diet mode, it's like, okay, the weight might be going down, but I'm still, that intensity is still, uh, way up there. Right. Um, so that, that's actually a nice perk of that is that you can still, you can still focus on that 
um, because the intention at that point is really to maintain the muscle that you built up in game phase. Um, actually, another point to bring up here, the progress, so it is important, and this is one of the reasons why actually program hopping I find to be suboptimal, because now I, I did make the point before that the, one of the beauties of hypertrophy training is that, well, if the equipment you want isn't available necessarily when you'd like it to be available at the gym. Well, okay, so you do something else instead. So that can work to an extent, definitely. But it's not ideal either. Ideally, we do want to know, to have the numbers there, be able to push for progress. That's what we're doing. We want to push those numbers up. We want to get stronger. We want to get bigger. So I, this is why like overhauling your program too frequently, not such a good idea and why it's been my plan. And that's why I said actually towards the beginning, it might not be ideal how many splits I did over the last year. And my plan for this year is to do less of that. I'm going to the plan right now, unless it changes, unless something happens. Yeah, I mean, you can change things within the program and update and you find more optimal ways to do certain things. But hopping around programs, I don't think is quite ideal. I think it's better to see a program through as best you can. And, uh, and that is my plan to stick with my, my two day split basically for, for as long as I can tolerate it really till of, so definitely within a, a sort of, um, like three month training block, I want to keep that consistent and hopefully I have the, uh, the endurance or whatever, uh, to, to do this long, uh, or for, for the long haul. Um, I remember actually on, as a side note, when I was reading Eric Helms kind of pyramid of, of training things, uh, training principles, the foundation, the one he said was the most important was adherence. And I, when I first saw that I was, it was around the same time I was thinking, well, when I was getting very convinced that, no, this progress thing is working. I think this is the one, this is the one that people should be focusing on. Um, he had that one farther up on the chain. I think it was even below like volume and that, which I, I don't know. I don't know. He's, he's the expert, not me. I think volume is definitely important, but adherence. But I, I think, I think there he might definitely be right. Um, regardless of the other ones, because yeah, it's, it's what it's all about is sticking to something and, and being relatively consistent over a prolonged period of time. Yeah. With all, with all this talk, it actually makes me feel I should point something out. So there was a reason why I put the nutrition one before talking about the weight training thing is that, as I was saying, I, I came to discover the reasons for my lack of, of progress in building muscle. And what I came to find was I, I was undervaluing progress, but like I say, at the same time, I was basically also undervaluing the importance of nutrition. And I did talk about that in the other one. And I, I sort of tried to quantify how I came to that belief is it just, it, it struck me and in, in coming to this this conclusion and coming up with this plan, I realized like, how is your body going to build metabolically expensive tissue when you're in a caloric deficit and your body is holding on to 
uh, anything it can to survive and, and sacrificing fat tissue, why is it going to want to build more tissue, especially tissue like muscle, that's hard to maintain? It just doesn't make sense. And, and it doesn't happen generally in, unless there's other strange circumstances happening, like, like you're a noob or, or like, or you've been a, on a long layoff or you're using drugs or whatever. It's not common to happen where you're in a caloric deficit and you can still put on any uh, reasonable amount of muscle above and beyond like what your kind of set point is. So I just want to say that because if if anyone's, you know, listening to this to try to get ideas of, oh, what can I do to make my training better? Well, you do whatever you want. If your nutrition isn't in order based on your goals, then mucking mucking with the these little nuances of of training especially the lesser important things as uh, is, is going to get you nowhere fast and get you frustrated it's like it's like when people they they just they don't want to accept caloric balance so they're like how am i going to fix my diet and it's like oh well i think there's too much cinnamon in my diet so i'll cut that out and and that's the secret thing if, you know what i mean and you all, you know, people like this who they just don't want to say, no, I need energy balance and to build muscle, I need protein, you know, as a dietary example, when it comes to weight training, well, again, if, if your goal is to just maintain muscle because you're dieting and you're losing weight, okay, again, still you want the protein and the caloric deficit, and then you want to train hard, close to failure, uh, to, to get the hypertrophic stim stimulus and same kind of thing when you're. Uh, but when you're building muscle, you're, you need to have your diet on point is what I'm driving it. And so get that taken care of first. And then, and then the training split, as I said, there's, there's a lot of flexibility in there, but it just won't mean much of anything unless, unless the nutrition's already in place. I hope that makes sense. Okay. It's time to wrap it up here. So the intention of this was not to be a, you know, my, list of items of importance or whatever my version of a pyramid anything like that I was really just say okay this is what I did over the last year kind of how it worked it worked pretty well and uh, this is the mindset going into my coming basically year or at least my plan for the year in terms of trying to build upon that I mean if I could the end of the year be anywhere close to that uh, and have accumulated a good 20 pounds of muscle I, I, like I said at my age which is like I'm by the end of this, by the end of this year, I'll be 45. So it's like, I'm getting up there, which, you know, five years from now, I'll be like, you're just kidding. Anyway, point, point is, um, the intention here was, it was to sort of cover what, what my plan is and what my mindset is. And at this point in time, until I realized that I'm dumb now, uh, the, the things going into it, it's a hypertrophy mindset. So I'm, I'm prioritizing those types of things. So uh, training to failure, training with a relatively high volume. And the split that I'm using is I'm going based on the one that I found to help me uh, with the progression side of things best, which is my two-day split. And uh, day one is chest, back, and legs. Day two is shoulders and arms. The way I'm starting it to begin with is I actually want to prioritize shoulder and arms. So this is going to sound a bit crazy, potentially, and I might come back and realize in a few weeks that this was a bad idea, but 
because I want to prioritize those, what I'm doing is I'm doing the shoulders and arms day four times a week and the big body parts two times a week. Now, traditionally, the split I would do three times a week, and, and I found that helped with the strength component and, uh, and the progress component, um, which I might return to. And, and the fact of the matter is that, you know, as I was thinking about this, go, going through it, it's like, well, because you're getting secondary work on shoulders and arms on those big movement parts, doing that three times a week, and then doing the shoulders and arms two, maybe three times a week, uh, ought to be plenty to give the shoulders and arms still um, proportionally more volume. Uh, yeah, that's that's definitely true. But what the heck, I'm going to take a cycle of folk, of doing ridiculously high volume on my shoulders and arms and just see what happens, really. And it could well be the case that I'm like, well, it... You know, if unless they blow up like balloons, I might be like, well, okay, it, it might have had some kind of impact that I might be just just as well off to do it a little bit more in a more standard way. But we'll see. Anyway, that's that's the plan at the point at the moment. Oh, my long term plan, what I'm hoping from, I'd like to stay on this split for most of the year, uh, provided I don't get injuries or whatever. And um, but how I split it up will probably be different. And that being said, when I'm going into my cuts, uh, my it'll mostly be mini cuts throughout this year, so lasting less than six weeks for cuts. For the most part, I think I'll do one longer cut around the spring just to, um, maybe I should go over that whole annual plan at some point. I think I did at one point, but anyway, um, I'll probably do like a three-month cut just to trim away the fat at the end of the year. I might do a different split at that point. I don't know. I've done this split in cuts before and it's worked really well because it helped me maintain my strength pretty well through the cut. Um, I might do that. I might not. I don't know. Um, like sometimes what I like doing is I like cutting down the volume, as I said, when, when I'm cutting. But that doesn't have to be changing the split. That can be just spending less time in the gym. So um, remains to be seen, but basically the plan focus on the hypertrophy things, the, the training close to failure, the rep ranges generally, I'm going to be keeping between six to 15, actually some of my reps, I goes, uh, my sets, I go as high as 15. So between six to 15 reps is where I'm comfortable uh, getting close to failure. And really the higher number of reps, the close, the, the more important it is to get like right on the verge of uh, failure. So I'm going to be keeping that in mind. So I don't like kind of quit early when I'm just like feeling systemically fatigued or whatever. Um, I'm going to be keeping up cardio. Uh, actually, all that stuff I covered in the nutrition one, my my big plan as far as uh, keeping active and uh, and keeping my calories in check. So far, like I'm, I am a little bit into this program already. I'm a few weeks and I've been it's been working really well. Like I would encourage you if you listen to my dietary and, and ca uh, cardio one, cause I put those two together, like it's been working ridiculously well when I keep relatively close to my caloric goals and my activity goals. Um, geez, like the, the small incremental gains I've been making have been almost like clockwork. It's quite amazing to me. Actually, I'm quite, quite, quite pleasantly surprised with how well this plan is working. So far, like I'm maybe about four weeks in. Um, so like I said, I'm four weeks, more or less four weeks into the, the training program that I just laid out. But the fact of the matter is that um, uh, there, there was a bit of a layoff in there just because of 
being on vacation, so it was a little muddled up in there, but more or less I'm I'm right. I'm around four weeks in, and so far the, the pro training has been going quite well, I think. Uh, so, um, so basically, I think. Oh yeah, and uh, I guess training as well. Um, as I said before, I'm I'm focusing on the form quite a bit and uh, doing mostly a full range of motion, but generally avoiding lockout. Really giving a lot of love and attention and focus and hugs and kisses to the. Uh, to the negative component, which again, I'm not really counting tempo, but I'm trying to keep it consistent and under control, like consistent set to set and, um, and really focusing on the, as, as well as the negative, the stretch part of the, of the movement. And, um, so there's my plan going forward. And I suppose a year from now, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll see if this was actually uh, a good plan or not.